0: Every once in a while I get up in front of you and and give you an update about the foster care world. Now don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to sign up for anything today, but what I want to do as we dive into Galatians chapter 3 verses 10 through about 25 is to start out by describing what the foster care system is all about. If you're wondering how in the world does this fit into Paul's writings about the law, don't worry, this is going to make sense. Hopefully it'll make sense in just a few minutes. Well, what is foster care? Well, the area that my family ministers in involves children from our community who are in need. There are various ways that a a child enters into the foster care system, usually not because of their own choosing. You might find a child in the community who isn't thriving at home because uh, there's some traumatic abuse uh, happening in in the family. It might just be that a child's parents are struggling themselves and they just don't have the uh, ability to, to care for the child's needs. Drugs and alcohol can be a factor in the decision to remove a child from the home. Neglect is becoming more and more of an issue in our family communities. Neglect that results in the child not developing as they should, which can then lead to other problems down the road if an intervention isn't made. And sometimes, every once in a while, a child is taken out of their home because a false report has been made and the community resource just they jump in too quickly and they're too eager to help and so they take a kid out prematurely. What our experience has been as a family is that about 99% of the kids that we welcome into our homes are, are there for valid reasons. Well what is a foster home? The simplest and most direct answer is that a, a foster home is a guardian a, a guardian for the child. Remember that word guardian. A guardian, according to the dictionary, a guardian is it's a noun for a person who guards, protects or preserves. Under the law, it's defined as a person who is entrusted by law with the care of the person or property or both of another as a minor or someone legally incapable of managing his or her own affairs. A guardian is someone who protects either in a short-term manner or in a more permanent way if needed. You might be familiar with the idea of a guardian protecting a child's interest, inheritance, property, trust fund until they come of age. This is a temporary thing until a child is able to manage their own affairs. Foster care is a form of guardianship for a child in need. A child has been taken out of their home for various reasons and in all reality that child has become homeless. Foster families say, uh, we will become that home for that child as their family works through the reunification process, as they learn life goals, as they get better in their own parenting. And the goal is always reunification. Sometimes it doesn't happen, and this is where you have other families who might adopt that child in need because they can't go home or they have lost their family for some reason. Fostering is a temporary guardianship of a child, usually 12 to 18 months, depending on the situation. As guardians, foster parents are in charge of providing for the child's needs. So we make sure they are getting the education they need if they're of of school age. We're taking them to doctor's visits. Lots of them, especially if a child is is, uh, coming to care with lots of developmental issues. The foster parents work with other people in the community to make sure developmental progress is happening. We get them to community activities if they're in sports or something of that nature. Foster parents can also be involved in parent visits to help get the parents up to speed in their their own parenting. And sometimes after, after the child has gone back to their biological home, a foster family and a biological family will stay in contact and become like family themselves. Now, even though foster parents hold a guardianship role, we aren't the full authority in the child's life. We can take them to doctor appointments, but it's up to the parent or the state representative to okay vaccination and changes in medical treatment. Foster families can't can't take a child out of state, like on a vacation or something, without seeking approval from those who are actually in authority. Foster families can't even take a child for a haircut without getting permission from the biological mom or dad first. So, foster families are in a guardian role, but they are not the final authority for that child in need. Tuck this guardian idea, put it in the back of your mind, and we're gonna pull it out a little bit later. Now, Paul is leading us through his argument about why the faith that Abraham displayed was the same faith that we need. And in the process, he, is, he, is, uh, he has to transition his argument to take us through the law to understand the full grace that we have received from Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that he's going to do is answer the question, why the law then? Found in in verse 19 of chapter 3. Why the law? This is a great question. This is actually a relevant question for our time because the church has a full canon of scripture that includes the Old Testament law, and so we need to know how to handle that as people have questions about what the Bible means. Think about Think about this, think about your friend or your neighbor who gets curious about Christianity, about what it means to follow Jesus. And the advice that they are given is a good place to start, is go go read the Bible. You wanna have a good place to start? Go read the Bible. Well, if they open up to the first books of the Old Testament, what are they gonna they get? They're gonna get some very engaging chapters about the beginning of humanity and a family that is called out by God, who then in turn grows into a very large group of people. The inquiring person is gonna see some really cool stories about that large group of people being saved from some pretty aggressive world powers, and then pretty quickly they're gonna be hit in the face with some pretty crazy rules. Crazy, because they were meant for a certain people at a certain time for a certain purpose. But to a casual reader, the question is gonna be, what in the world do these rules have to do with me? Am I supposed to follow all of this stuff? Is it all true for me? It can be a little overwhelming and maybe a little disheartening. Do I really want to get involved in this religious stuff because it seems like a whole lot of work to me? And those are good questions because the Old Testament law, it contained different categories. There were moral laws like what we see in the Ten Commandments. There were ceremonial laws that gave direction, how you were to worship, the sacrifices to be made, and the foods to eat and not to eat. There were were civil laws that outlined the procedures for dealing with punishments for crimes committed in the community. And all of these laws came together to form the law. And so when Paul is talking about the law, he's talking about the law that was given under Moses, the great prophet. The first thing that he does is tell tell his audience about what the law can't bring. Uh, the law can't bring life. It can't bring salvation and it can't bring righteousness before God. And this is spelled out in verses 10 and 11. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it's clear that no one is justified before God by the law. When Paul starts to address their question about why in the world did we need the law, Paul is going to take their hand and lead them down a path, so that he can say the law was given so that we could get clarity about the sinful nature of our flesh. We are sinful to the core, and we are in need. We are in great need of salvation, and and Paul does something great here. He gives us a quote in verse 10 right out of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 27, verse 26, which validates the law and starts to reveal its purpose. Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Do you hear the finality in that? Everyone. And when the scriptures mean everyone, they mean everyone. The law demands obedience and perfect obedience at that. Jesus says the same thing when he gives his famous Sermon on the Mount. To be perfect, Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, the law shows us, the law shows us that we can't be perfect because the law exposes our sin. The the law doesn't make us sinners, but it reveals the fact that we are sinners. Paul says in verse 10 and 11, you want to know the purpose of the law, the purpose is to expose our sin. The purpose in, in Calvin's words is the law was given in order to make known transgressions obvious. Close your eyes for a minute and, and think about the people that you know. Do you think any of them are sinners? Do, do, do you think any of them do things on occasion that aren't good? Be honest. And I think we would all agree that we are. Uh, there are people out there that, that do things that aren't right. And if we're honest, if we're really honest with ourselves, we include ourselves in that list. Well, the law makes those things obvious. Literally spells them out on paper or stone tablets if you're Moses taking them down the mountain. Now, if you have children in your home, you might know what it's like to give instructions. Kids, you got parents in the house, and so you know what it's like to get instructions. Parents, think about this. You don't necessarily see your child's sinful heart until you give a command. Until you say, son or daughter, do this. And then they look at you and they give you a solid no. Giving the command brings that disobedient heart to the surface. Kids, you might not see your parents sinful hearts until something frustrating happens or a rule is broken in the house and then all of a sudden they break out in a tantrum. Paul says that the law makes our sin very and somewhat painfully obvious. But not only does it it expose our sin, the law also intensifies our sin. Galatians chapter 3 verse 19, uh, Paul says this, Why was the law given? It was added for the sake of transgressions. There's a little bit of a debate here on what Paul actually means, but a good translation carries the idea that the law was added to produce transgressions. Paul says the same thing in his letter uh, of Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 20. It says the law came along to multiply the trespass. The law isn't sin itself. Later on in Romans chapter uh, 7, verse 12, Paul says, it is holy and just and good. Under the law, the reign of sin expands and therefore it makes sin's presence felt more clearly. The law doesn't make us better, it actually makes our situation worse. When we resist the law or don't follow all the commands, it shows that our hearts are growing farther and farther apart from the grace of God. One commentator put it this way, the law confronts man with his disobedience, his continual disobedience and exposes his sin even intensifying it. And so the law shows us that we all deserve the wrath of God. Martin Luther, who was cut to the quick by the book of Galatians, said it this way, The principal point of the law is to make men not better, but worse. That is to say, it showeth them their sin, that by the knowledge thereof they may be humbled, terrified, bruised and broken, and by this means may be driven to seek grace. We need grace because we stand cursed beneath the law. Do you feel discouraged or helpless after hearing that? The point is we can't get it right on our own. Our, our sinful hearts will always turn away from God's way. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise might be given on the, base, on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe. What had happened is that people, over time, had really allowed the law to take precedence over the promises that God had given to Abraham. They had seen the law and then moved into a mode that said, we have to perform instead of looking to God in faith. But Paul says in verse 17, the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel the promise. Everything that God told to Abraham stands true. Abraham's covenant was based on blessing. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by you. Those promises still stand. In fact, the blessing is going to come through through Abraham's seed, his offspring, Jesus Christ. What the law did was to act as a guardian until Jesus came. Paul writes, in verse 24 in Galatians chapter 3 that the law then was our guardian until Christ so that we could be justified by faith. Back to fostering. The law acted like the foster care system. The law pointed out that there was really something wrong in our family. We were like a child floundering in a dying family and as as children we couldn't get ourselves out of the pit that that we had to live in. Something needed to happen to allow us to thrive to actually live God took his people, the nation of Israel, out of the world and gave them a new home with the promise of a better future. The law gave them a new home looking for the promise of a better future home. The law pointed out the sin and gave us a place to hang our hats. It gave us a place of protection while we waited for salvation to present itself. And in this case, it showed us that we couldn't go back to the old family. Uh, That was only going to bring us death. The old ways were going to bring us death. The law pointed that that we needed a new hope. It pointed towards a new hope. I like how N.T. Wright, a New Testament scholar and expert on Paul, puts it. He says it this way, the law was given to provide a quarantine for God's people. The medication, the cure for our sins was on the way, but until that could be administered, the law quarantines God's people between the promises given to Abraham until the fulfillment and freedom found in those promises through Jesus Christ. The law, then, was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no no longer under guardian, for though through faith you are sons of God in Christ Jesus. And we see Jesus woven through Paul's whole tapestry, the whole tapestry of scriptures. If the law showed us that we are under a curse, Paul says that Christ became that curse for us. He stood in our place. And in the same way, that promised Messiah was a blessing for God's people. Uh, the, the nation of Israel, Christ is the full blessing promised to Abraham when he said that this hope was going to be for the whole world. The, the purpose was that the, the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. And where the, the law brought imprisonment and intensified our understanding of sin, Jesus came as the freedom giver. And through Jesus we are part of God's family again. For through faith you are all sons of God in Christ Jesus." Our time in foster care is done as a sinful people. We are no longer in need of guardianship of the law because now we have a chance to be sons and daughters of God. We have a new family. We've been adopted into a new family, and how do we receive the promises of of this new family in the same way that Abraham did, through faith? We've covered two of the mountains that Paul points points out to us in this chapter, the promises of Abraham and the law given to Moses for the people. And I mentioned last week that there were joys on being on, on each of these mountains, but there were also dangers. The law shows us our sin and points out the need for a savior, that is an awesome thing. But one of the pitfalls, of course, is then getting stuck in an I'm not worth it or I can't do anything right attitude on the mountain. Sin or no sin, we are all image bearers of our great creator, God. And the purpose of the promises to Abraham and the Mosaic Law was to walk us down a path that leads to salvation through Jesus Christ. Next week we're going to see that we are heirs in, the, in, in God's kingdom. Uh, we downplay that or neglect that when we get focused on our own insec- insecurities, our own failures, the way that we feel that we don't measure up. The law says of course you don't measure up. That's why you need Jesus. He is the one who has measured up on our behalf. So a danger of sitting on the mountain of the law is getting focused on our sin and not focusing on our Savior. Another danger is, and this one plagues the best of us, is the trap of seeing the law that that points out sin and then focusing on the sins of others.